Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms of Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms of preteens, teens, and young adults. My mission is to first and foremost support and encourage you, mom, so that you can live well and reclaim your life. Two, this show will help you have the best possible relationships with your teens so that you can communicate, motivate, and guide them effectively and actually enjoy them. And third, I will bring you top-notch guests who will share the newest in adolescent research and trends so you can be prepared and aware of what your teens are facing today. Always you will leave each episode armed with practical parenting tips. Welcome back, everyone, to the 231st episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. Would you like your teens to have better manners and be respectful to you, your home, and others? My guest today literally wrote the book. Brooke Romney is a writer, speaker, and leader of an online community who helps moms of teens and tweens create meaningful, healthy, and enjoyable relationships with their children through practical application, education, and community. Her goal is for every family to feel confident and connected. The mother of four boys, ages tween to adult, Brooke knows parenting perfection isn't real and takes an honest and hopeful approach with her audience. Her best-selling book, 52 Modern Manners for Today's Teens, Volumes 1 and 2, provides weekly tips to help parents and teens navigate the complexities of today's world. The follow-up, 52 Modern Manners for Kids, will feature tips for kids and tweens aged 4 to 12 and is set to release this August. Brooke's work has been featured in the Washington Post, Scary Mommy, and Forbes. Brooke and her family live in Utah. Here are some examples of her manners. Be inclusive. You attract what you put out into the world. Say thank you. Be reliable. Reply. Look up, smile, and say hello. Don't be annoying. I think the secret sauce in her approach is she communicates why this manner or tip benefits the teen. In other words, what's in it for them? Welcome, Brooke Romney. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm going to love our discussion. So are you a mom? And if so, what are the ages of your kids? I am. I am a mom of four boys. So my oldest is 20, the next is 18, then 16, then 11. Wow. Yes. There's a lot of energy in our home and we've been through a lot and and still have more to go. So did you keep thinking, I'm going to get a girl and boys just kept coming? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I grew up with, there were two girls and then two boys. So when I had two boys, that seemed totally logical. And then I thought, of course, I'll just have a girl next. So that third one was actually probably the toughest one. By the time I had three boys, I thought I'm probably just a boy mom. But yes, I was fully expecting number three to be the girl. You know, you do two and two. That makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So what did you experience in your own parenting journey that made you want to start writing and encouraging other moms and parents? Well, I've always been a writer and I love connecting through story and shared experience. But when my oldest became a teenager, I noticed a serious lack of support and community. And we were going through some really difficult things that were unexpected. And some were very hard, but some of them were just daily hard things that I just didn't know how to deal with. 
And there's a huge community for parents of babies, toddlers, even young kids. And as I looked online for resources or help, or even just someone to say, yes, my teenager doesn't like to talk to me when he gets home from school either. You know, just something as simple as that. There was nothing out there. And so I muddled through and I did my best. And I just thought, I don't want another parent to have to go through the teenage years alone. That felt very difficult. And there's a lot of reasons why it feels lonely and really good reasons. But I think that there's such power in community and I wanted it to be something that I could help create. Well, that's great. You have quite a community on Instagram for sure. Yeah, it's been really fun to attract the types of parents that want to be engaged, but also understand that life isn't perfect and are willing to share struggles and triumphs and advice in a really open way. I started it for other people, but it's been just as fulfilling for me. That's great. Yeah, I have a lot of groups with moms. And for the same reason, is just creating a really safe place where moms can be real and authentic. And like, if nothing else happened, but that, I think that is healing enough. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, in the early years, it was like, you're much more open about the struggles. And then it feels like the stakes are too high to actually share things with other moms sometimes. Yeah, I've heard that so many times. I get a lot of messages from moms, you know, privately. And some of the things you're going through are too hard that you don't want other people to know. You've got somebody who's old enough to care about their privacy and what others say about them. Sometimes you don't want people to look down on your kids because of the hard things that they're going through or treat them differently. Some moms have tried to open up and then it backfires and their kid finds out that they talked to someone and shared something and then their kid doesn't want to talk to them anymore. So I love that you're creating spaces where you are for moms to fill that connection and community too. Because one of the things that I've found is while it is their story to share, it's also part of your story. It's not you know, just them, it's you. And so to think that you have to be quiet about your story all the time is sometimes too much, especially for moms who connect through sharing. So I love that there is a place there that you're creating that and something that I'm doing online doing the same thing. Yeah, that's awesome. So what inspired you to write 52 Modern Manners for today's teens? Well, there were a lot of small things that inspired the book, but The first one was as I was observing my own teenagers and their friends, I realized that because of cell phones, kids often have their heads down and headphones in, and they're not observing the world like we did when our parents, when we were teenagers. And so there were a lot of things that they were missing, just social norms, ways to connect, building relationships, being polite, you know, manners, all those things. And at first I thought, oh, it was just something small. But as I started sharing that with my community, I realized that everyone was having these issues. Everyone's kid or the kids that were in their home or the kids they were working with at school or church or wherever they were, there was a real deficit. And I love to solve problems. And so I started sharing every week, just a little teen tip. I think the first one was be a good passenger. So if somebody's giving you a ride, say hello you know, engage with the person. Don't just get on your phone. Don't ignore them. Don't whisper in the back seat while other people in their car, when you leave, say thank you and shut the door. You know, things that seem very simple, but obviously our teens were missing. And so I shared that. And then every week I was sharing another one. 
and someone said, I wish this was a book, you know? Mm. Mm. And as I started thinking about that, I thought, I wish it was a book too, because even though I was writing all this online, sometimes I wasn't bringing it back to my own family because it just wasn't in the form that made it easy to do that. And then I started thinking about, well, no teenager is going to pick up a book that their mom gives them and says, here's all the manners I want you to know. Like, they're not going to be interested. Right. So I thought, how can I make this something that a family could engage in? And so I made it a flip book where it stands up on its own, where it's a really short manner. And then I knew I've got a tough crowd at home. I knew there had to be a why behind it. Why am I doing this? And what's in it for me? Because as much as we want to think our teens just want to make the world a better place all the time, oftentimes they need to know what's in it for me. Why would I be a good passenger in the car? And then you tell them, because then I'm happy to give rides to you and your friends. And then your friends' moms are happy to give rides mm. to you and your friends. Mm. And mm. then you get the opportunity to do the things you want to do and have the freedom you want to have because people are happy to have polite people in their car. They're happy to go out of their way for kids who are kind and engaging. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, okay, I'll get off my phone. I'll say thank you. I'll shut the door. And then they start to see those things in their own lives, right? There's like a positive feedback loop that starts to happen. And so it's been really exciting to see kids taking these manners in, using them in their own lives and seeing just the little boost that it gives them. That's so smart because the what's in it for me is way more powerful than I'm telling you to do this. It's so true. And I think, you know, kids get tired of hearing their parents correct them. Mm -hmm. And so having this as a third party outside source makes it, there's a little more authority, but it's also less personal where it doesn't feel like their parents are attacking them or telling them all the things they're doing wrong. It's just so neutral. This is something all teens need to know and all teens need to learn. And here it is presented in a way where some families gather around and talk about it over dinner and others have teenagers that are a little more prickly. And so they just leave it out and let their teenagers take it in on their own at a breakfast table or, you know, in a bathroom or in a car where it's a little looser and they can take it in on their own. But that was something that I knew was important in the structure of the book was that there would be multiple ways for teenagers to learn from the book. Mm -hmm. So how would you define manners? So for me, because these are modern manners, sometimes people get confused. They're thinking the book's going to teach their kids, you know, which fork to use or how to hold their drink glass, which all those are nice extras in my mind. But these are simple ways to live a connected and kind and aware life. And so they go beyond just the really physical manners. There are a few of those in there too. But really for me, I have a powerful desire to help teens understand that they can live a successful life. And a successful life does not look like straight A's, top colleges, you know, stars of football teams, you know, a successful life means being connected, being fulfilled and being and feel like you're somebody that can contribute. This is what these books start for them. So it's less manners as how we think about it and more like tips. Yeah, I would say tips, you know, teen tips, common sense teen tips, tips for a connected life. Okay. So why do you think these books have been so successful? There's a couple reasons. The first one I think is that parents are hungry for information about how to be better parents to their teenagers. There's just not a whole lot out there. And a lot of times, even when we read a really great book, it doesn't translate into a practical strategy that we can use in our home. 
while we might walk away with thinking like, that's great advice. Yes, I believe in that philosophy, but then how do we incorporate it in our homes? And I wanted to bridge the gap. And I think that's what parents love is that this is a way for them to feel really successful in about five minutes a week. You know, you're talking one manner a week for a whole year. So you take five minutes and by the end of the year, you know that you've deliberately taught 52 really important things that could help your teenager have a more successful life. And so I think that's the first reason. The second reason is, especially with COVID, I think our teens are floundering and they're struggling when it comes to relationships, connection, happiness, feeling like they have a purpose. And when teens are able to do these manners, there is a positive feedback loop. And it doesn't matter if you're someone who already has a high social or emotional IQ. It doesn't matter if you're already a cool kid, if you already have a million friends. These books break it down so that you say, okay, I know that I now am supposed to be someone who celebrates others. That's a manner in volume two. So you become somebody, instead of someone who's jealous and pulling people down, you've learned about celebrating others. And so now when your friend gets the star in the school play, you say, that is so awesome. I'm so happy for you, even if you wanted it. You still go to the play and support your friend as she sings as the star of the play. Well, all of a sudden, your life feels more connected. You feel less jealous. You feel less inside yourself. And all of a sudden, you have more friends and more people who like you and more opportunity because people say, oh, yeah, I want this person to come along. And so what kids are seeing and what teenagers are seeing is these manners actually work. And they work in the way people feel about you, which leads to opportunity, which leads to open doors. You know, a kid who knows how to apply for a job is the one who gets the job. A kid who is a good worker, you know, there's one about work with integrity. He's the one that gets promoted. And what they're seeing is these are really, really simple things I can do that really increase my chances of living the life I want to live. So what have you learned from your Instagram page? I'm sure people's comments probably informed some of your manners. Well, absolutely. So I wrote the first manners book with mostly things that I'd come up with, but the second one was largely informed by my Instagram community and things that they were seeing and messages they were sending. One of the biggest things that I have learned is often I will write something and people will say, how did you put words to what was in my head? How did you know this is what I was going through? And more than anything, I've learned that we are all having an incredible shared experience. Mm -hmm. And that while so many parents and teenagers think they are alone, that's just absolutely not true. We're all going through very similar things, even though the details of them look different. And we have these feelings and these desires and these hopes, and we need a community. And we just need to know that we're not alone. Sometimes half the battle for kids and for teens is to just know that what they're going through is normal. And that it'll mm -hmm. pass and that it will get better. And that even if it doesn't for a while, there's light at the end of the tunnel, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's something that I've learned is that we're a lot more similar. A lot of times we think that we're going through something that no one else understands. And then I'll write about it and you find that thousands of people understand the exact same thing. Yeah, absolutely. So how about giving us your five top manners and share that with us? Oh, I would love to. So let's start with the first book. The first book I would say is a little more. I don't want to say basic, but something to build on. The manners are a little more something to build on. And the second one, go a little deeper. So if you have like a 12 or a 13 year old, definitely start with book one. If you've got a 16 year old, you could start with either one. So from the first book, I love the manner nothing online is private. 
I think if we could teach that manner to our kids right when they start an online life, that could help a lot of heartache. Helping them understand that even if it says it disappears, even if your friend says that she will never show anyone, even if your boyfriend says it's just between the two of you, anything can be screenshot, anything can be shared. And there are some serious ramifications sometimes for those things. So that's one of them that I just think is so important. Another one that's been really powerful in volume one is to find new friends. And there's been a lot of feedback from parents who have said, this manner opened up such an important discussion in our home. My child is being left out constantly. Their friends are making fun of them all the time. They didn't know that it was possible to say, I've had enough and I'm going to look for new friends. And in the manner it talks about, you're going to be alone. This might mean that your new crowd isn't quite as cool as you thought your old one was. But having people who like you for you is worth it. That's one that's really important. Another one that is a little bit more of a physical manner is to respect people's homes. Ask if you can take your shoes off. Know that you don't put your feet on their furniture or lie on decorative pillows. Ask permission before you eat something at their home. Those types of things really endear people to you and then they want to have you back. So those are a couple from volume one. A couple from volume two that go a little deeper is one of them is to be a good conversationalist. So some kids really struggle with this and it gives them a little formula where it says, make an observation and then ask a question. It's not quite as difficult as we make it out to be. So if you see someone who has a shirt you love, you can say, oh, I love your shirt. Where did you get it? Right. Make an observation, ask a question. So that can be really helpful for kids who struggle with connecting with people. Another one that I really love is read the room. So Mm -hmm. it helps our teenagers understand that if there was just basketball tryouts and your friend didn't make the basketball team, now is not the time to talk about how fun your basketball year is going to be, right? Or if your sister is being lectured about her poor report card, now is not the time to bring up that you got an A in all of your classes when you were in seventh grade, right? So that's just helpful. It's helpful in our family settings. It's helpful in work settings later on. Another one that I love in volume two is don't make fun of questions. Reminding our teenagers that we all have things that come naturally to us and that we're good at. And we all have things that we struggle with. And so being kind and helpful and understanding when others have questions, instead of saying, how did you not know that? Are you kidding me? I learned that in fifth grade. You know, that creates a much more welcoming learning environment and a much more friendly friend environment. So Those are a couple that I just think have really resonated with my audience and really been helpful for the teens and their families. So out of those five or six, can you tell me a little bit about the part of what's in it for me? Like, how did you say that? Like with the find new friends or be a good conversationalist, what's in it for them? So the find new friends, what's in it for them is they will be able to have a group of people that like them for them. So there's a lot of hard that happens until you get there. But in the end, that's such a reward to be around people who like you for you and to no longer feel like you're unwanted or that you're the least liked one there. For Be a Good Conversationalist, what's in it for me is here's an opportunity for you to be a confident connector, right? It's so fun to be someone who is confident when they're with people and people are drawn to others who are confident. So that's going to increase your amount of connection, which increases your chance of having good relationships. It also allows you to help other people feel comfortable. And that puts you in a place 
that gives you a lot more confidence too. All right. So you have four boys. Mm -hmm. So how does this work with your boys? So we like to do it in a connective way. We do one manner a week. We usually do it on Monday night. That's the night that works best for us. So we do it on Monday night. And usually I read it. Sometimes they're more engaged than others. So sometimes we'll talk more deeply. Sometimes we'll talk about something that we've observed either in others or in ourselves. And then I just leave the manner displayed all week so that they can catch it. So it's just like on the table that's right when you walk in the front of our home. And so it's something that they can see over and over again. And then we'll flip it to the next week. Sometimes we'll ask before we go to the next manner, you know, how did you do this week? Or did you see this happen this week? Or we will share a time when we saw it happen with them. So one of them in the first book is the way you smell matters. And that one <laughs> talks about, you know, showering and deodorant and all those important things for teenagers. And my youngest, when we were doing volume one, he was only 10. That one was really fun because when we got to that manor, he was kind of a shower fighter. But after we had read that manner, he started becoming a willing showerer. So that was fun <laughs> to be able to like the next week say, hey, you've done so well with your showers. And like, I can tell you're putting on deodorant and your friends must be really grateful too, you know, things like that. So we try to keep it light. We try to keep it fun, not always too serious too. So for taking a shower or whatever, however you said that. So what's in it for him for that? So what's in it for him is that people like to be around others who smell good, whose smell doesn't offend them or make them feel uncomfortable. And it was interesting because when we shared this matter, he talked about an experience he'd had with someone who didn't smell good. And we said, okay, you know, that's a really good reminder that it does feel uncomfortable when someone is stinky that you don't always want to be close to them. And so you definitely don't want people to choose not to be close to you because you're stinky. So, you know, these are some things that you can do instead. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's also always important to, you know, when we're teaching something like that, to be kind and empathetic and remind our kids that sometimes people don't have the choice. Sometimes people don't have the opportunities available to them to make sure that they're always clean and so that we're always kind. And it's never something that we share with others, but it's just something that we use for ourselves. Sometimes people get a little bit worried that these manners feel judgmental. And what I like to remind people is these manners are nothing about other people. They're all about us. So these are things that we're learning. These aren't manners that we're judging others by. These are the manners that we're learning ourselves and we're taking in. We are not the type of people that are going to start, you know, if you're a person with good manners, that's socially aware, you're not somebody who says, well, you don't know how to read the room. You're going to work on reading the room yourself. So these are the things that we do for us, not Mm -hmm. as a way to judge others by. All right. So I think there's probably a lot of moms listening who are really frustrated because they have tried to teach manners in their house and it just hasn't worked. They've gotten a lot of pushback. They've been kind of mocked for it or have hostile reactions to it. Especially, I think some of the ones that you're suggesting aren't really about their home, except Mm -hmm. maybe the shower. But, you know, as a therapist, I've heard a lot of moms who I mean, just even the basic manners, they don't feel like they can ask their kids to do that. Like say good night or say hello or say good morning or pick up your shoes in the middle of the floor or the banana peel on the toilet. And so I think a lot of parents just get discouraged and they, of course, want their kids to have manners, but they're just kind of given up. So 
what advice would you have for that? I have two pieces of advice. The first one is that was one of the biggest reasons why I wrote this book in the way I did is because for some teenagers and parents, confrontation is not something that you want to add to an already tricky relationship. So this is something that you can put up in your home and you cannot say a word about it. There was a mom who had an especially prickly 14-year-old boy. She knew he would fight this idea. He would not want to do it as a connection. He'd even made fun of the book. But one day when she came home and he didn't see her, she saw him flipping through the book. Because I think our teenagers want to know how to be successful. And sometimes that's why they're angry is they don't know how. And they're so frustrated with the way their life is going. that sometimes just having this available as a resource for them to take in on their own terms can be helpful. The second thing that I would say is oftentimes our teenagers don't want us to see them doing the right thing, especially Mm -hmm. if our relationship has been combative and difficult. They don't want to give us the luxury of thinking that they're listening and implementing what we want them to do. And so sometimes I like to remind parents to be okay with the fact that maybe they're not their best self in your home, but still doing what you can because we do have to teach them how to be at some point functional adults in society, which means you don't always get your way and everybody doesn't always give you a free pass just because you're a jerk. So reminding yourself though, that sometimes they're being great outside of your home. So they might not be using the manners inside your home, but there's a manner in the first book called Pitch In. And there was a mom who said, my child never does anything in our home ever. He scoffed at the manner of pitching, but I had a friend call me to tell me how helpful my son is every time he eats at their home. But he always takes his plate to the dishwasher and he always helps, you know, wipe off the counter and do all these things. And so sometimes our kids in an effort to separate themselves from us, just don't want us to see that they're doing all the things we want them to do. Especially if you hear that about your child somewhere else, instead of being frustrated that you don't see it just saying, Hey, that was, that was so cool. You know, Johnny's mom called me and said, you were so helpful. That makes me so happy. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for pitching in when you're at other people's houses without getting in that extra jab of like, wouldn't it be nice if you could do it at mine, you know, just Mm -hmm. leaving it be complimenting, letting them know that you see the goodness in them. You see the good that they're trying to do. And then kind of working from there, hopefully that can start building some bridges and relationships as they see you appreciating some of the positive things that they're doing. But it's never too late. Anytime I hear a parent that wants to throw in the towel about who their child is at 13, we've got so long to go. And so some years are harder than others. But having this as kind of a no conflict option to teach, I think is very helpful for parents and teens who are in some of those more difficult parent-child relationships. All right. So I think probably the moms listening who have the kid who is polite and chipping in at someone else's house are probably thinking, well, how then can I get them to do that in my own house? Yeah, I think that one is really tricky. And we've dealt with it in our own home too. And one of the things that Lisa Damore, a psychologist that wrote awesome books for teenagers, one of the things that she said there, and I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't have the quote with me, but she says that we have to teach our children how to be adults. And sometimes that's going to be a little bit uncomfortable. And our teenagers will push as far as they can, right? They will do as little as possible until the reward or the drawback kind of hits them in the face. So for example, you say, pick up your shoes, pick up your shoes, pick up your shoes, pick up your shoes. Nobody ever does it. Nobody ever does it. 
And that's normal because in the past, when they don't pick up their shoes, you just pick them up for them and then you put them into their room and there's nothing on the line, right? And so instead, when you say pick up your shoes and then there's some type of a consequence or some type of follow through, that can help. I have had kids where that does not help and it just causes more contention. And I like to say that you just do what you can in those situations. So whatever you can do. So looking for the good, complimenting the good, hoping that opens some doors, and then deciding what is worth the battle. So for us, going to school was worth the battle. So if you don't go to school, you do not have a car. Car, freedom, keys were very important. Therefore, school was attended, right? For other people, a car is not a big deal, you know, so there's nothing on the line there. But, you know, we said, if you you can't do the basics of getting to school, then you can't have the privilege of having a car. So every child is so different. For some, it's a phone. And I know there's a lot of people who say, you know, you don't take the phone away, but perhaps there's ways that you can, you know, limit the phone or you can give a reason why. I'm sorry, like, you're not communicating with me. This is a phone that I pay for. We're going to have to renegotiate how you can use this phone since it's a thousand dollar device that I also pay, you know, $30 a month for. So I think sometimes an effort not to have contention, sometimes we shy away from creating some important boundaries and expectations. One of the things that I've realized is our teens need those to feel loved. Sometimes when they don't think that there's any boundaries, they wonder if anyone cares at all. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes maybe they need a little bit more than we're giving. I've been interested in the idea that we think our teens should have this next level of discipline, cognitive reasoning, the ability to want what's good for them at such a young age, even when I don't as a very educated, experienced adult, even I still need a work deadline to make sure that I get my work done on time. Even I still need someone to say, no, we've had enough dessert so that I don't go get a second ice cream cone. (laughs) And I'm old and my brain is fully formed and I should be able to make those decisions for myself all the time. I talk to my kids a lot about how I have to put screen time on my phone too. Because if I get in bed at 10 o'clock and start scrolling, it can be midnight, which is why they don't take (laughs) their phones to bed, you know, because even I can't stop the scroll at midnight. So right. I think it's I think it's important that that our teens have boundaries and consequences for things. And I also understand that there's teens that are in another level where we're trying to keep them alive and trying to yeah. keep them safe. And so that is a different conversation. But for the average teen who's just sometimes just wants to be a punk and doesn't want to do what they're supposed to do because they'd rather someone else do it for them, I think there's a lot that boundaries and consequences can help with. Yeah. Well, what I really like about your book and what you're saying. And I agree with what you just said, but is the why and what's in it for me is huge. And when we're in a power struggle with our teens, we're not getting to the why or what's in it for them. And we're just saying, you need to study now. You need to do this now. You need to clean your room now. And there's no what's in it for them. And so maybe in that moment, there's not a lot of explaining because, you know, they're probably both in the limbic system and pretty hot. But that there are a lot of different ways of talking about something, a lot of different approaches. So at some point when things have calmed down and you can say, 
you know why I tell you you should get a shower? Well, let's talk about that. And so your book is helpful for sure in terms of conversation starters. But, you know, this is a principle that everyone could apply at home because it's always a good lead-in question because of their brains don't think about it because their brains are under construction. So some of the perspective that's past their own self, they don't think about other people's perspectives. So I think that's one reason why your book works is like they don't think about if they get into someone else's car and they're just looking at their phone, they don't think about how that impacts other people or that no one would want to give them a ride again. In fact, I just heard that story. I have a girl who's in college and she's the one who has a car and her roommate works at night and kind of expected her to pick her up every night. And so she would pick her up and roommate would get in the car and just look at her phone and not talk. And so driver got fed up with that. And so she's now not driving person home. Yes, such a powerful story to be able to share. You know, I love that. And I love your idea of sharing the why and the what's in it for me, you know, and maybe they won't always connect with that. One of the things I've learned with my teens is the more we can bring it to the here and now, their brains don't always work future. It's not about, you know, you want to go to school because you want to be able to have a great job. 10 years from now, Mm -hmm. they need to know, you know, what's in it for me tomorrow? What's in it for me Mm -hmm. right now? And I love, Mm -hmm. I love the way that you emphasize that. So important. So you can do the what's in it for me approach with your teen. And you don't have to get angry. Because my first book is called Dial Down the Drama. So that is my approach is we don't want to amp up drama. So we want to preserve that relationship, which I know is important to you. You can just use that, you know, when you just slammed your fist through the wall or when you just threw that phone on the ground, let me just tell you, that's not working for you because here's what's going to happen. That doesn't make me want to give you the phone. In fact, we're going to have to take that phone. We're going to have to get repaired and you're going to have to pay for it. So that's what's in it for you when you do those things. And I love, I love that idea of being able to follow through with that, not mm-hmm. having an empty threat that that repair is on them. You're not mm-hmm. coming with them to the store and paying that bill. And, and I think that's a significant moment where somebody says, you're right, that didn't work for me. You know, back to the cleaning one, I was just thinking about when we were talking about it with our boys. And I just said, I work, dad works. That is not okay for us to go to work all day and then clean all day. That's not cool. So if everyone can pitch in, that changes things. That allows us to work. That allows us to spend our money on things we want to do instead of spend our money so that you know somebody can help clean our house. It allows us to, let's go on a trip. Let's get a new bike. Let's do the things that we want to do with that money instead of just maintaining our house because everyone can pitch in. So I think yeah. that's a really good point is that showing them what's in it for them and then falling through with that. Yeah, so that can be positive or negative. Mm -hmm. So in my office once, I had a six-foot, 16-year-old girl with long red hair, and she sat on the back of my sofa and was sobbing and throwing her Kleenex all over my office, and her mom was in the room, and the teenager said so many F-bombs. I mean, there's so many. 
So what I loved about this, I mean, loved in a cynical way, is at the end of the session, after all of that, this girl looks at her mother and says, give me the effing keys to the car. So thank God that this mother did not. Yeah. (laughs) Because what this mother was showing her is what's in it for you is if you say 55 F-bombs, you do not get the keys to the car. Right. That's what's in it for you. Yeah. And it's important to not reward for. Yes. I think all the time I'm teaching my kids who they want to be in their home. What's acceptable in family life? What's acceptable in home life? And if I'm willing to just take verbal abuse, if I'm willing to take no one helping, then I'm raising kids who think, well, when I'm a parent, this is what I do. Or maybe when I'm a spouse, this is how I treat someone. This is okay. This is okay in a family setting. And I always want to make sure that that's not what I teach them. I don't want them to be on the bad end of it. And I don't want to be on the bad end of giving that either. Because I want them to have healthy, happy family relationships in the future. What I also like about your book is it's setting a standard, which I think in homes, they're not standards. I mean, it's not our intention as moms, but there's so much fighting that you lose the standard. It's just a nice little reminder of the standard, like you said, in their homes someday. Yeah, I think the shared language has been really important. So each manner is basically, you know, like three words. It's something like find new friends or don't leave one person out. And everyone now has that catchphrase in their mind where you say, hey, we pitch in. So they know what pitch in means. You've you've read that manner. Or they know when they tell you they just kick somebody off the group chat, you say, "Mm, we don't leave one person out, you know, something like that. And it's shared language that helps everyone understand that they're on the same page. And I think that's been another thing that's been especially helpful. Yeah. Well, this has been great. Do you have any last advice for the moms out there? Well, I love what you're doing. I love the way that you're helping families and especially families with teenagers. And I guess my last piece of advice would just be that it's never too late. You know, whether you're getting professional help, whether you're trying to use a manners book, whether you're working on more positive interactions, whether you're working on having some boundaries that you can enforce for a more respectful home, I just know that the effort is worth it. And we don't always see the outcome of the effort, you know, at 13. But I think that we see it often later. And the measure for me of being a good parent is putting the effort in that I could reasonably put in during each stage. And I can't always control the outcome, but I think when we're doing what we can and when we're giving it our best effort that we can feel really successful in our parenting journey, even if it looks a little messy for a few years here and there. Yeah. So how can moms or parents find you? I am on Instagram. I'm really active there at Brooke Romney Writes. We've got an awesome community. And then the books are available on Amazon and At the end of August, beginning of September, I'll have my third book out, which is 52 Modern Manners for Kids, which allows you to start the teaching like as young as five and all the way up through 12. This is for like the elementary age group. So that will be really fun. That's great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Colleen. That was a wonderful discussion. I learned a lot from you too. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review 
This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my award-winning, best-selling books, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, and my newest release book, Dial Up the Dream, Making Your Daughter's Journey to Adulthood the Best for Both of You. You can find both of these books wherever books are sold. And you can find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com. And that has two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.